Osiris. Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year, and to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Hey everyone. I am super excited to bring you today's episode of We Move Through Stormy Weather, featuring Megan Glyona of HFPod. We're going to talk about the MoMA dance and get into some really incredible discussion. Keep listening in for that. Before we dive in, I want to take a minute to tell you about Verzio Wellness. The Verzio Functional Mushrooms are here to help right now, whether you are gearing up for a show, going to sleep afterwards, or recovering and restoring the day after. Using varieties like Lion's Mane, Chaga, Reishi, and more, the Verzio concentrates the health benefits from these potent fruiting bodies into a supplement with a variety of applications. I take their Lion's Mane Focus Blend every morning and really enjoy the boost it gives me throughout the day. Order your Verzio now with code STORMSOUND15, which gives you 15% off your order and ships anywhere in the U.S. or Canada. Welcome back to We Move Through Stormy Weather, a podcast by Storm Sound. My name is Ryan Storm, and today I'm joined by Megan Glyon. Megan has been listening to and thinking about music for as long as she can remember. After falling in love with the Grateful Dead in high school, she remembers being handed Rift on cassette in 1994 and being absolutely blown away. Ever since Megan has been seeing fish, collecting memories, and dancing endlessly. In 2021, she joined the Helping Friendly podcast as a co-host and loves talking fish with fellow fish nerds, interviewing musicians, and recording live podcasts and Osiris Media live events. Megan is also a teacher and a writer, most recently published in Jambase. She lives with her family in Brooklyn, New York. Hi, Megan. Hi, Ryan. How are you? I'm great. I'm really glad to be here with you today. This is fun. I'm very excited. I'm very excited that you're here, too. Uh, we've been working on scheduling this uh, yeah. around tour and everything for a while now, but I'm very excited uh, to sit down and talk fish with you. You know, we, we've We've potted, we have a lot of podcast experience together already. We do. We do. We do. We've done yes. a lot. Yeah. HF Pod and this recent collab we did for the Tab Goose Tour. Yeah. And if you, if you haven't heard those Taboos recaps or seen them, uh, check them out. Uh, they were a lot of fun. 
collaborating with HF Pod, always almost there and great beyond for every show of that tour. So let, let's let's dive in, Megan. T- tell me the story. How did you get into fish? Well, you talked about it a little bit in the intro, but yeah, I was a huge deadhead in high school, huge deadhead. And I got into them because I liked a group of boys and they were older than me and they were into the Grateful Dead. And so I was like, whatever I need to do to hang out with these cool guys, I'm going to do. And you know, they were like Midwesterners, like lacrosse players and hockey players. And they would wear like flannels and Grateful Dead t-shirts. And I'm like, what is this Grateful Dead? And they started playing it a lot for me. And I just was totally in love with it and also in love with them, but especially in love with the Grateful Dead. <laughs> but and but more of, the music. <laughs> more the music. Yeah. It kind of like opened up this Pandora's box for me as it does to anybody who gets into the Grateful Dead and loves them. And I just was listening to everything I could. I started seeing them in 93 and when I was 16, and then I just saw them as much as I could before Jerry died. And But in 94, someone handed me Rift, and I don't remember who it was, which is funny, but someone handed me the cassette, and I went home, and I took it home, and I remember I was sitting there in my room, and I opened up the cassette, and it was like, you know, the cover art and like all these right. crazy lyrics. It was just this like thematic album and it just sounded so of the moment in a way that The Grateful Dead felt more historical to me. You know, it was like I grew up listening to like 70s rock for my parents and classic rock and this – The Grateful Dead was always kind of of that era. Even though my parents weren't into the dead, it was like their their era music. And so this felt like it was mine and I finally got to see them in fall of 94, got to see Fish, and I couldn't where? believe it. It was Grand Rapids, Michigan, my hometown where I grew up. And it was, I think it was November 18th or 14th, something around there. And I should know that date, but uh, it was, I think it was the 18th. And it was an amazing show. It was like 18th row, and they opened up with my friend, my friend. And I just, couldn't even believe it. There's a bunch of footage of that show actually on the um, the bluegrass sessions. Yes. The, yeah. So there's I, a bunch I see. Of I see. It was eleven fourteen, and there's a yes. twenty six minute Bowie. That Bowie's insane, and there's footage of that on there. They had like fans on the stage, like blowing air. It was just a really crazy thing. But the thing that to me stood out the most about Fish when I saw them live for the first time was their connection to the audience. You know, when you go and see the Grateful Dead, they just are kind of like emoting and you're receiving. There's never kind of like, it didn't feel like a give and take, like when I was seeing them in the, you know, at the bitter end. And right. seeing Fish like on the edge of the stage, like looking at us, like at one point they had like that mini acoustic set and they played the mandolin, Fish was playing the mandolin and like talked to somebody in the audience who said they love the mandolin. And Trey was like, he's going to give a mandolin solo for you. And like, you know, Fishman did like this little flourish and there was just like an engagement and an interest in the fans that I thought was mm-hmm. super unique and cool and exciting. And it was just, I felt like I was in the beginning of something, you know, even though it wasn't their beginning, but it felt like that to me. It was the beginning of their, their big rise though. Like, you know, yeah. was, you were still seeing them in a, in a smaller venue before they would, you know, kind of move more to arenas the next year. So that, that's really cool. Did you go from your first show and immediately be like, okay, I need to see them 18 more times before the end of the fall. Or did you not immediately start seeing them a ton right after? I saw them as soon as I could, but that was, you know, next summer in Deer Creek in June. Oh, you got that for a dinner and a movie too. Yeah, I know. It was amazing. That was the first 1.0 show, I think, that they played. But yeah, it was amazing. I mean, I think for me, I was a senior in high school. I didn't have a lot of disposable income. I wasn't going to be able to like jump on tour, you know. I also was seeing a lot of 
of Grateful Dead then. Um, I saw a lot of Grateful Dead in that fall and in the next um, summer. So I kind of split that next summer of 95 between like Fish and Dead and was seeing a lot of Grateful Dead then still. So I was super into Fish. I was listening to a lot of Fish. I started collecting tapes then, but I was definitely still in the Grateful Dead world. But the minute I moved, I went to college at University of Arizona and the minute that fall of 95 and Jerry passed away that summer, and that minute I was like completely, completely for fish. And so mm-hmm. then I started seeing fish like obsessively that fall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. And and so the, the song you picked today is also, um, I, I, I know it's one of your favorite songs. Uh, your, your social media handle is based off of it as well. It is. Uh, we're going to be talking about MoMA today, which is a song that I have been very excited to talk about on the podcast. We haven't done it yet. Um, you did You did steal my favorite version. Um, which is okay. Cause it's, it's kind of, you know, it's people the best. will say that people will say that it's not the best one, but it's a hundred percent the best one. And like, I think that's just people being biased against summer 2016. Um, yeah. and like, you know, this show has nothing to listen to other than this MoMA. Um, but seven, three, 16 is, is your pick. And I agree. It's, it's the goat. It's the best. I don't know who these people are that's saying it's not the best, but I agree with you. It's the best. That, they're, those are the, the jaded vets that are like, oh, I like this 1998 version or like yeah. the 22603, I think it is. But That's a good one. It is good, but it's yeah. not better than this. No, I agree. You know, this show's great. And I agree. 2016, a weird time. I only saw one show that whole year. I saw the New Year's Eve show, The Petrichor, which was incredible um yeah but but also just like that I don't know that, that was a weird year um for me and I wasn't super connected to fish then it was kind of right before I was like about to get super connected to them again during the baker's dozen how many yeah. dozen did you do I did three I did the first one um maple night in the middle and then I did the last one oh, so nice. I did yeah I kind of I couldn't see a ton, so I I decided strategically that I wanted to see I actually had tickets to the first night and then the Maple Night. And then after Maple Night, I was like, I have to be there on the mm-hmm. last night. I knew we yeah. were going to have that yam. I was like, I have to be there. And I I paid a small fortune. I don't, I don't even care. It was totally worth it. Fair enough. Yeah, that, that's that's <laughs> one of the few shows where I've heard of a ton of people who like got, actually got shut out of it. Um, yeah. You know, because usually it's like, you know, everybody gets in uh, if they want to get yeah. in. But yeah, people people weren't getting into that show, which is which is crazy to think that like, you know, earlier in the run, like Jam Filled and Powder Night, you know, there were no people behind the stage. Like it was super undersold. Insane. Yeah, they showed them. Never, never sleep on fish doing anything. No. Um, but yeah, <laughs> no, su- summer 2016 was weird for them because, you know, you have these incredibly bright spots of improvisation like this MoMA, um, you know, coming in the last night at SPAC. Then you also have shows where, you know, there's just like nothing. And, you know, you ha- it's the influx of the big boat songs, um, you know, it just seemed that they weren't really interested in jamming all that much in a lot of places. And it's weird because you get some shows that are like super complete, super amazing. And then the next night, there's nothing really want to go to or the inverse of that, like at the end of the summer tour, like, you know, they played at the Forum in L.A. And that show was just like kind of a dud. And then the next night in Chula. Um, which that's a venue they have an incredible track record at. Yeah. Um, but that that seven twenty three sixteen show, you know, you have incredible jams, the return of the jammed out tube, a long two thousand one for the era, like just you know, 
So it, it was a weird year for sure. And yeah. and I mean, I think starting at Dick's and through the fall and end of the year, it got a lot better. Yeah, I think that as they're also like thinking about the Baker's Dozen, right? I think that like slow creep towards that was so inspiring for them. So I think they mm-hmm. actually like built up. And obviously that summer before Baker's Dozen was great and the Baker's Dozen was spectacular. So I think that it was definitely like a moment when they were looking for more inspiration and they, they found it. Yeah. What, one thing that's interesting to the to me about you know this year as a whole is Trey's playing is absolutely phenomenal. Like, mm-hmm. you know, in, in this MoMA, you know, I think most people who, you know, maybe don't listen to 2016 a lot or haven't heard this version a good number of times would probably expect, you know, this to be more page led or mic led, um, you know, then but but Trey from the first note of the song is just like all in like he's playing so assertively. Um, and it sounds so good. Like, you know, his fills on the opening vamp, like it's, it, it's crazy to hear. Yeah. I actually wrote that down too. He just felt like he seems like in the pocket right away. Like he's mm-hmm. completely locked in like right away. And it's true. It's like, it's not a great show. There's 12 songs in the first set. Like that's a lot. 10 yeah. songs in the second set. When you look at this on live fish, they actually like have a video of this MoMA because it's clearly like the only thing from this show that's like redeemable. Right. Like there's no yeah. reason to put the full show up. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're like, here's the video of just what you need here. But it's a great video to watch. It's like interesting too, because you were reminded what the 2016 light rig was like with those screens right. behind, and you're like, yeah. whoa, like it was so overwhelming and like overpowering. But um it was it was it's a great video to watch to see how they're Playing. I mean, Fishman has his eyes closed like the whole entire time, which is just fascinating. Well, but he's, Trey, he's the MVP of this jam. Hundred percent. I mean, this the the one thing about this jam is that it has it's super rhythmic the whole time, even though it's like a journey and it goes from like funk to dark to light to space, but it's super rhythmic the whole time, which is my favorite shit for sure. Yeah, it, it's it's a it's a cool video for sure. I I was very excited when they you know when they put that up on the app a few years ago. Um but yeah, it's all it's also cool cuz 2016 was an interesting year for Trey's guitar tone too because over the course of the year he was like experimenting with different amps and like during the summer I think he cycled through pretty much all of his guitars um just trying to see which one he wanted to stick with. Um and so it, it it's his tone was like super super meaty in 2016. You know this this is when he's he's using his uh, Fender Deluxe Reverb for the first time since I think uh, 2.0, and oh, then wow. he's putting it through his classic Languedoc cabinets, which would be closer to um, what he was using in the late 90s. Um, but it sounds very different um, on this tour. I think he was also he had different pickups on his guitars at this point still that he had switched out for fairly well, kind of changing to more of that Jerry tone, but he, he had changed the pickups on a bunch of his guitars, which was interesting. Um, and then in the fall of 2016, he would go to that, like the Marshall amp, which is like, you know, the, the Hendrixy, Clapton, whatever, like that sound. So it, it was an interesting year for his sound. Um, I really like it here. You know, the, the soundboards from 2016 have a lot of Fishman in it and a lot like 2015, not a lot of Mike. Um, so, you know, it, it's harder to focus on Mike. Like I, I noticed, I would notice time to time, like, wow, Mike's doing really cool shit here. But like, even towards the end when he's dropping these huge bombs, they don't have that much volume to them, which. Yeah, I know. It's a shame. It's a real yeah. shame. I was doing that too. When I was watching, I was trying to like isolate Mike and it's actually kind of tricky to do. 
it's hard to do, which is the shame, especially in a song like MoMA, which is like such a funky, like bass driven song. You know, this song is like, I mean, and that's, that's, it's interesting that you say that about Trey's tone because in my notes, I was saying I didn't, I didn't love his tone in this song, but it works. There's something about the way he's, like about nine minutes in, I don't know if he's using an effect pedal, but there's like mm-hmm. this menacing feeling that kind of comes into the yeah. jam. Like before that, it's like funky and groovy and like jazzy. There's like this relaxed undercurrent. You've got Paige on keyboards and Fishman is though like pushing at energy. But then like Trey comes in with this effect pedal, it sounds like, and there's this like dark feeling. And I don't love that tone, but he repeats this phrase over and over again. I don't know if it's on a delay or not, but it it works. It really yeah. works. It's cool yeah. sounding. And then Paige comes in on the piano and it just totally elevates it. And I think him and Paige are just so locked in. And that's when you really like, I miss hearing Mike because he's dropping bombs that whole time, but you can't right. like, you can't like catch it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, you know, a lot of great Trey Page interplay in this jam for sure. You know, right from the get go, it's cool. You know, so I didn't even say which version I picked yet because we got so excited about this one, but um, I, I picked 812 uh, 22. Um, which is, I, uh, you know, from this past summer, like very, very strong MoMA. Um, you know, I kind of like how it's, it's become more of a jam vehicle since 4.0 yes, started, um, love that. which is nice. You know, I, I was, I was going back and forth between that and the Baker's dozen and, uh, eight fifteen twenty one. 21. Um, uh, I, I picked this one. I really like it cause it's one of the few like, you know, big jammed out MoMAs that, uh, finishes itself, but yeah. just, you know, not wanting to leave. 7316 behind yet the contrast that that i noticed which is cool is for this back 2016 one as soon as you know fishman finishes his like sing-along portion of trey's guitar solo trey hits this huge like you know dirty like wah chord to signify like okay like we're gonna jam this out and it's like on the first note of where his extended solo would be in the the eight twelve twenty two version you know they go through the regular jam and it sounds like Trey is wrapping it up to be like a six or, you know, a six or seven minute version, like three times in the span of a minute, he like plays the ending lick and it's like, okay. And then it's going to end. And then that one departs in, into a jam, not like kind of just as kind of like downshifting into a groove, like the seven, three, 16 one did Trey does like weird off kilter delay stuff. And then Fishman's doing fills. And then there's this period like around, eight minutes uh, or eight and a half minutes where the whole jam just kind of feels off in a really cool way just because you know trey's got these weird things going and fishman's doing weird things and like it, it was just it, it's really cool
differences in the band's sound between the two. You know, obviously 2016, you know, Paige doesn't have the these these synths that would co- become so prevalent yet. You know, Trey doesn't have these synth tones. Um, you know, so it, it's it's more of like a, a classic feel to it, I think, with just straight like electric piano, guitar, whatever. Um, but yeah, it, it's cool to compare. It's so cool to compare. Yeah, I think that that moment when Trey starts like soloing over it in the SPAC version, it's like that classic uplifting Trey solo. And it's so cool because you can yeah. hear the crowd just like roar. It's just that perfect Trey. You would never mistake it for anybody else, right? Yeah, it's at ele- like 11 and a half minutes yeah. or so. Like, and it's yeah, you just, just like, hear them all like, yeah. <laughs> it's the Trey peak. And then it peaks and they just like all meander. And Trace comes out with this like really piercing and tender, really high pitched, like beautiful solo. And then they find their way back to like this cool groove and it just melts into like this mm-hmm. really sweet and like serene place. And then they start pulling out all these like space sounds, but then Trey somehow is playing this like rock and roll riff. I don't, it's very cool. It, the ending of it to me sounds like very effortless and patient. And I love how it like has this like dissonant melt into twist. I think that the ending of this, even though it's like nothing's more satisfying, like you're mm-hmm. saying your version from the summer at Alpine is like very satisfying because it comes back like, and you know that Trey loves that shit when it like ends perfectly. I love it. When yeah, they find you the do. Song again, yeah, you it's know? like, <laughs> yes, here we are again. But this one is cool. Like if it's not going to come back to the song, like to kind of melt into this like weird spacey dissonance is pretty cool. Yeah. And what, what's cool also about this back version is I felt like it could have ended just before the 14 minute mark. But because Fish was just, he was playing. Like he he did not stop for a second throughout this whole jam. At the end, it's like, it feels so reluctant for him to be like, okay, fine, yeah. like, we'll, we'll stop. But, you know, he he is just carrying the momentum forward, like does not lose a bit. Like, you know, the first peak, you know, kind of fades a little bit and he just keeps pushing until Trey finds that second huge peak progression and they go around again. Like it's, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> it's it's awesome. amazing to watch him. Like, you know, listening to it is one thing, but to watch him do it with his eyes basically closed and just like – He's just amazing to watch. I think that like getting to sit behind him at MSG or getting to be close to him and watch him, it's like I actually don't watch the band very often, but when I'm near Fishman, sometimes I just can't help it because he's just captivating, you know?
but what's also you know big contrast between the two is how you know how the vocals go because it, yeah you know obviously after the beacon jams trey has fallen madly in love with uh that way of singing it yeah i know i now have a hard time singing along to moma without like the moma dance the moma dance like yeah i, I do that exactly. all the time now and i blame trey um but yeah he does he does the he does that little intro thing uh in an alpine you know obviously the 2016 one before all that is very like you know this is how the song is going like you know trey doesn't trey doesn't come in over the 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 main chorus um but you know it, interesting feel and obviously you know 2022 much like 2016 has proven to be kind of a divisive year for people like you know yeah. I think that 2022 is a much better year than 2016, uh, you know, oh, on the yeah. strength of the improv alone. Um, you know, I, I think there is a greater degree of consistency um, while still recognizing that, like, there are a good number of shows that are pretty meh um, yeah, from the summer. I think 2022 is, has the unfortunate effect of coming after 2021. Right. Which yeah, was, like, you know, yeah. an unbelievable year. So, like... I think the expectations were just so high that mm-hmm. it was, I mean, it was hard. I mean, I can think of so many shows I saw this summer that were fucking incredible, you know? Yeah. I think that like people are like wanting, you know, fall 2021 was just, it was next level. It was incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's also something like, you know, 2019 had the misfortune of coming after 2017 and 18, which was two years in a row of just absolute yeah. peak level fish. And then 2019 was a bit of a step down, which, you know, I talked about this with Jonathan on the last episode where it's kind of, you know, they take a step back and it's like, okay, where are we going to go from here? Because we've hit this peak in, you know, we hit this peak in 2015. We hit this peak in 2017, 18. We hit this peak in 2021. Now, where are we going to go from here? Because Fish is not a band that's going to be like, okay, we hit this peak. Let's just keep doing that every year. They need to find something new. That's why they keep changing all of their gear. That's why that, you know. It's why they're they're jamming out different songs. Like MoMA was not a song that was ever really a jam vehicle outside of like, we're going to extend this funk vamp a little bit. Um, and now they're jamming it out. You know, they, they, they're, they're picking new avenues, like the end of Free at, at Blossom instead of the, you know, the actual jam segment of it. Um, yeah. So like, you know, I wonder what happens if we, if we do that. <laughs> yeah, and it's cool. I mean, if you think... MoMA too, which is actually like came out of Black Eyed Katie, which is an instrumental, right? And an instrumental jam that was like, you know, I actually saw it during one of the best encores like I've ever seen in my entire life during the 12, famous- 97. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that was like the seventh time and the last time it was ever played. And that was the last time it would ever be, you know, this instrumental Black Eyed Katie. And then it turns into MoMA. And I think it's just such a product of 97, which is probably why I love it so much. But um, I think it's cool because they're, this song that was an instrumental becomes kind of a more standard song, and then now it's a jam vehicle. Like, that is so fish to me. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah it's, it's, it's really cool. You know, and, you know, we've talked about before, like, sample being a jam vehicle yeah. now. Like, huh? <laughs> it's the best. You know, like, it, it's, 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 so, it's so crazy to see you know, how Mull? different songs I mean, can like, fill that road. Yeah. Mull, like, Mull, Mull's recently debuted though. And it was like, okay, like yeah. this song could jam like samples been around for, you know, 20 
seven years, 20 years. And it's like their now. most like radio hit that never was, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, you know, yeah, we're just going to jam this for 15 minutes now. Don't worry about it. Um, which, which also, you know, that kind of thing all kind of started at the dozen, you know, there yeah. were a few instances of it before, like, you know, the northerly wedge in 2014, where they were randomly, okay, we're going to jam this out. And I just heard that jam the other day for the first time in a really long time. And I was like, whoa, like, <laughs> I forgot how good it I is. I haven't listened to that in a very long time. I'm gonna I, I would highly recommend it. I, I was, you know, I was listening to it and then around like the 11 minute mark, there's like this shift where Trey just takes it into like soaring peak land and it's yes. amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but back to the, the topic at hand. Yes. Um, one other cool thing that Trey has been doing a lot uh, recently is teasing Let It Grow. Um, mm. And he does that in this MoMA around nine minutes and 25 seconds ish. Um, I, I'm a big, I'm a big tease notating guy. <laughs> <laughs> I love that about you. I am the opposite. I am like, this jam is awesome. And I don't really know what's going on or what teas is happening. And then someone tells me later. <laughs> but I'm you like, know cool. that it's good. <laughs> but I know that it's good. Yeah. Um, I think this this is a really, really satisfying version. Like I said before, it just it has the hallmarks of 2022 with like you said, tracing and then like the like beacon jam intro and then also Fishman's dropping his effects, which is so like what defines summer 2022, you know, yeah. all these like funky effects he's doing. And again, Trey also seems super locked in right away. Like he has this like cool, there's like a, I don't know, just some extra like goodness to the jam in the intro. Yeah, some mustard in there. And then after the song part, like you were talking about before, he just starts playing these like frantic notes and putting on his delay loop, I think. And Paige is just absolutely killing it on the piano. Yeah. It, it's just, that's the one thing I love about this song is that there's always this like balance of like funk and grit with this like elevated piano work that I think is just why the song to me is, has a lot of depth to it. Also, the lyrics, I think this is an incredibly well-written song lyrically. They're so ambiguous. Like, it could mean so many things. It's, yeah. I think, one of their most successful songs lyrically. Interesting. Yeah, I, I've never really – Fish is not a band where I, you know, spend a lot of time thinking about the lyrics, um, which is funny that you mentioned it. But, yeah, I, I have no idea what this song is about. You know, the, the name of the song doesn't give any clues either because I think it's just like a mispronunciation of – the moment, the moment ends, ends. yeah like which is yeah but that's like the moment ends right like is the song about drugs is it about love is it about sex you know is i mean it's about that moment ending right who knows but yeah. that's why it's so good right it could be who about knows? any of those things yeah it's a very i think lyrically i'm someone who connects to lyrics a lot and i think that mm -hmm. sometimes fish has the best lyrics thank you tom marshall and sometimes they don't, you know? And I think that like when they do, for me, it always hits really deep. And I think MoMA is one of those songs. The song is just, it's also just sexy, which is the best. Yes. And that, that is, you know, very largely due to Mike's bass line. Yeah. Which, you know, it, it's it's such Turn a good bass line. Yeah. And it, it's popped up in a couple of jams, like the, the 724-18 Carini. He's just playing that bass line for a few minutes when <laughs> yeah. they, you know, they get into this nasty funk jam and it's, it's, it's great. It, it works so well. So well. Yeah. Yeah. But what's cool about this one too, is I, I hadn't listened to it in a little while and I kind of remembered it being this like warm major key jam, but that really only happens for a little bit. 
Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's a lot more like weird stuff happening and like, you know, kind of kind of searching. It's a very it's a very searching jam. You know, they, they, it's it's 17, almost 18 minutes. And, you know, obviously the SPAC one, they know exactly where they're going to go. And yeah. like while, while there is searching within it, it doesn't feel like they're searching. You know, they're just kind of like, all right, we're, we're pushing. And that that's due to, you know, Fishman's really pushing that jam. Whereas in the Alpine one, he's taking more of a, a support role. You know, mm-hmm. he's a little more laid back uh, in his playing. It's a little slower, um, which is, you know, that's, that's 2022. Um, in some places, though, which is weird, like I, I remember webcasting some of the spring tour and being like, whoa, like they're playing really fast for right now. Like, it's kind of weird. I, I don't I don't believe this whole nonsense that Fish can't play fast anymore. I can play you a maze they from can. MSG this year. That's just insanity. You know, I think that yeah. like they still can play really fast. Yeah. Yeah, like they'll they'll get to spaces and jams where they're playing at like breakneck speed. Like it, totally. But, but they'll but they'll play stuff like Weekapog at a much slower tempo, which is interesting. Like I remember, you know, late twenty seventeen, like that New Year's run. You know, in the in the first set, you get this Mike's groove that's kind of like slow and a little bit like feels a little lethargic in places, and then you get this twenty seven minute disease that opens up the second set that you know by like minute twenty two. They're just like at like a breakneck pace, like peeking all over the place. And it's like, what, how, you know, how do they get here? (laughs) Well, and maybe they're tired of playing some of those songs super fast. I mean, how many years did they play all those songs at a breakneck speed? A lot, a lot, you know? And for me, that's not always my favorite fish. Like I love listening to those early nineties, you know, fish. It's so tight. It's like so crisp. It's so clean, but it's, it's not always the most like listenable stuff, you know, it's not really stuff you like put on to like chill or just like enjoy it. You know, it's very intense. It's like, it's fast. And I don't know. I like this. I like the pace that they're going at now, but I know a lot of people have a lot to say about it. Yeah. I, I, (laughs) I don't think it's like offensively slow. Like it's, it's not dead in code by any, by any means. Like, you know, there's still a lot of energy in it. There's still a decent amount of pep to it. It's just, comparing it to how they were playing it 25 years ago when they were 25 years younger and you know on a lot of cocaine like yeah yeah it's, it's slower a little different like, are they gonna get to the speed of the 123195 johnny be good ever again probably not and do we want them to be there i don't know no. i don't even really <laughs> want them to be there anymore no. you know i don't know, i'd rather try stay like what, alive you know yeah i, I don't know what <laughs> They went backstage and had at the encore break uh, before coming back on to do that. But <laughs> it was ninety five. They had a lot something. of stuff. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was something. Um. But yeah, and the the Alpine Jam is cool too because you get these synth tones from Page, and then it kind of feels like it's gonna. It, it feels like it's gonna return to MoMA around fifteen and a half minutes without hitting like a a big peak. But then it's kind of like a, a, a false thing. Like Trey's Trey to me a couple of times like is like playing around a variation on the MoMA lick. So if you like mm. looked at the at the notes that he's playing, it it is not anywhere close to the the riff of the jam. But listening to it, I was kinda like, okay, like that's kind of like almost being the MoMA lick. Like you know, like it it's it's complicated how it kind of 
works in my brain, but it, I, it, made, <laughs> it made sense to me when I was thinking about it earlier. <laughs> That's really cool. That's something I don't know if I'd be able to identify just by listening because I'm a lay person and I'm not a musician, but I totally get it. I think that like- You know what you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, thank you. Uh, you know, this one to me, what like stood out a lot is that it's it goes a lot of different places and it's it varies in tone a lot. Like it gets really like delicate and rhythmic and Trey's doing the like solo but then he starts doing these like crazy like scream like rips that are just mm -hmm. really dramatic and you can hear him like yelling at one point like yeah like he's really ripping and the end and the crowd is just like getting like worked up into this frenzy and as they peak you can hear them like about to bring it back and I have it's so satisfying when it does like because you can hear it it's like being hinted at, and maybe that's what you're talking about, that you can mm -hmm. almost hear the the lick, but it's not there yet. Like, And then you're just like, is that MoMA? And then it just like comes back in a way that's just totally seamless. It's a beautiful yeah. ending. I mean, really, really great, solid ending. Yeah, and I, I love the way that they, like, they drop from the peak into this funk groove uh, for a few measures before hitting back into MoMA. Mm -hmm. like, you know, they go into this funk groove, Trey's vamping, and then he brings in uh the moma lick and they kind of transition well back into it which is good like you know obviously there there are some jams recently that you know they've kind of brute forced a return to the ending that yeah. you know hasn't been the cleanest um but this one worked really well um you know i i'm i'm very much enjoying the ongoing saga of moma being a jam vehicle you know this is one of the very few finished versions um that we've got that have been jammed out usually it just kind of goes off into space and doesn't find its way back so this was cool yeah, that it came back. I also think that it's interesting because I don't – I remember the Alpine run not being particularly amazing. I think there were standout moments for sure, but it seems like Mom is a song that seems to find its best in shows that aren't, like, unbelievable. Yeah. Which is weird, yeah. right? Yeah, which th – that's actually a really good point. Like, you know, both of these shows outside of this, I think eight, eight, twelve, twenty-two is the stronger show of the two, definitely. Um, you know, and I think even, yeah, I think a 2022 show that's devoid of big jams outside of one thing is better than a 2016 show that's, you know, only has one notable piece of improvisation. Um, I don't remember exactly what the, what else they played at this show. Um, cause the, the Saturday night was the, um, the fluff head. Yeah. Sunday night was the Richmond antics and not much out, uh, not much else, but yeah, this moment came in the first set. Um, oh yes. Jammed out ass handed. <laughs> yeah. Th this the Alpine Brian, it was weird. I was like, I had wanted to go, I had planned to go, I had gotten tickets, um, and then it just didn't work out. I had really wanted to go out and, you know, meet Brian Brinkman and like get out right. to the Midwest and see some I've never been to Alpine Valley, even though I'm from the Midwest. So I really had wanted to get out there and it just didn't happen for me. And the whole time I was like, you know, it's going to be the best run of the show, of the tour. Like it's Alpine, like it's the well, end of the tour. <laughs> I know. I mean, instead I went to like the armpit of Atlantic City and saw like three, you know, killer shows. Yeah, those so, were amazing. I mean, the first night of Atlantic City was like one of, I think, the best shows of the tour. So who knew? But um, I felt a little bit happy that I didn't miss like three epic shows. But. Yeah, no kidding. I, I would agree <laughs> that AC was one of the best runs of the tour for sure. And, you know, obviously going into Alpine, expectations were really high because the last time, yes. you know, they, they closed the summer tour with a three-nighter at Alpine, we got two kind of, you know, throwaway shows and then 
the Ruby waves. Minute Ruby yeah. waves and all the bust outs and the Iculus and the everything. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the wedding proposal, Yem, like that. Oh, yeah. Like e- everything that. in that show. Yeah. yeah. Every, everything. It showed everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's crazy. Um, it, it, it's crazy to look at, you know, the difference there and how, yeah, like some of the more unlikely spots. Like, I mean, AC last year, um, like 2021 AC, I don't think was as good as 2022 AC. Like, no. This year was so good. Like, the, you know, that first night, the second set was incredible. Um, the third night was one of the very few shows I got to webcast this summer. I had a I had a day off uh, from camp that night. Yes. So I was like, I'm going to park myself here with my headphones in and watch the show. And Ugh. I was very, I was very happy with that one. Really liked the, um, the wave of hope into Yim. Uh, I mean, so show. much from that, those three nights were unbelievable. And I can tell you being on the beach in that show, people were going crazy the whole time, mm-hmm. especially the first night. I thought the second night was super strong too, but the, and the third night too, but there was like standout moments from every one of those nights. I think the second set of that first night is one of the best second sets of the whole tour, if not the 100%. best. It is spectacular from start to finish. I would actually even say like from middle of the first set on. From from um, Sigma on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's just Once like. We're like, was, yeah, we're, we're dropping we're gonna, a 22 minute Sigma here and we're just going to keep going for the rest yeah, of the show. <laughs> it was all just space funk. It was just so good the whole yeah. run. But yeah, I. But who thought, like, I didn't think Atlantic City would be, like, these amazing shows, but you never I, know. I figured it would be good because, yeah. you know, la- like, la- based off of last year's, yeah, they were had good. a good amount of standout moments, like the, the tweezer from the first night I go back to frequently. Yeah. Um, you know, you had the, like, the, the sense intro into MoMA from the third night, which yeah. was great. Um, but I yeah, was there no, that I, night. Yeah, that was yeah. cool. So not, not a ton of um, really strong moments outside of those, um, but... Yeah, th- this year's were great. You know, what, what what was crazy to me was listening to, you know, that wave of hope jams that just kept going and yeah. going. And then suddenly, on a dime, they're in Yem. It was crazy. I, I forget where I've talked about this before, uh, but I mentioned it somewhere once. But, like, that's not a very, like, that's not a song that's very easy to just drop into no. <laughs> when you're in the middle of a jam. Like, they're just, like, playing. And then Trey turns around and is like, okay, one two a one two three four and then they're in yam without missing a beat it's like that's that's not that's not like real like people were freaking that. out i was wearing a yam hat and everybody was like losing their mind i was like oh yeah. my god yeah this is the best yeah it's like it's like when you call a song earlier in the show and then they play it then everyone around you is like you were talking about that exactly earlier. you know what's crazy <laughs> is on those three nights i wore a more hat a tweezer hat and a yam hat and they played each of those songs those three nights it was weird i was like my hat you wear are, the I'm tweezer need... hat all four nights of msg yes yes and i just need an <laughs> iculus hat now because that's what i'm chasing so oh, i need someone can send me an iculus hat maybe i'll get it how many <laughs> how many shows are you at now I I think I'm at like, I don't even know what my number is, 60 something. I haven't seen a ton of shows, 63, 64, something like I'm that. At, I'm only at 14, so. Yeah. So I'm we can high. still talk I'm, about the band. I'm, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like afraid to admit that number to people. Like I'm like afraid people shun me and be like, you don't deserve to be on the internet uh, talking about Then you'd about be like, fish. no, 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 no. I, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm a co-host of a podcast. It's okay. <laughs> exactly. It's okay. I have legitimacy. I have credibility. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I've always been like afraid to admit that, but yeah, I I think uh, I think it doesn't necessarily matter your number. It's just no, your devotion to insanity. 
Yeah, I listen. I I became a I I became a a big goose nerd, and people were asking for my opinions before I had even seen them once. So. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I that, love that. It, it works. You you know you just gotta you just gotta immerse yourself, and you know if if you don't know what you're doing, you just bullshit your way until you do. There you go. Don't yeah. tell anybody our secrets, Ryan. Come on. Uh, the, the secrets of the podcasting <laughs> world. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Yeah, but this is it's so great to talk about this song though because I feel like it's not talked about very often because it's not like this huge jam vehicle. Mhm. Yeah, and yeah, for so many years it was like, okay, we're going to get 7 minutes of moma mm -hmm. now. Cool. Um yeah, and then, you know, again, starting last year, you know, starting with the the AC version and then you get um, you know, last fall the Monkey Man one in San Francisco and then at the forum uh they jammed it out like into that into it was MoMA into Simple into Waiting All Night which was like a really cool segment that show was a lot of fun um but yeah. like they, it was just you know they they're like open ended leaving it unfinished but like you know it, that one unlike the ones that had come before like the SPAC 2016 and Baker's Dozen and AC were all like here's a big 15 to 17 minute type two version. That's going to be like the anchor of the set that it's in. Um, you know, the Baker's doesn't one coming like it's like the second or third song of the show on the second night of the run, which was like, I think that was the first song of the run that was like, okay, we're jamming out unexpected songs here. Yeah. You know, the, yeah. the first night, the first night, you know, the, the highlight jam of that show is the seven below, I think uh, mm -hmm. in the second set, um, which is phenomenal. But yeah, then you get the first set of the next night. You get you know this huge jammed out MoMA. You get this really great jammed out Breath and Burning, um, which is underrated. Um, that that is a yes, very I agree. very good version. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I um, agree. Yeah, but that that was kind of the beginning there, and then then you get to fast forward to you know fall twenty twenty one. The Monkey Man version was you know only like ten or so minutes, but it had that like kind of cool set closing quality to it with the Monkey Man jam, whatever. And then you go to the forum and it's just like a 10 minute version, but that goes off into, you know, type two and segues very nicely into simple. And so that's kind of the beginning of, okay, like MoMA can actually like be a piece of a second set, like just as a flow mm -hmm. instead of, you know, being like, we're going to jam this out. It's going to be a special occasion and then it's going to go back to being, you know, a, a standard song. So it still is fairly standard most of the time. But there are more and more instances of it being jammed out. You know, they they did it again at MSG in April. Um, oh yeah. Or they jammed it out, which was great. And then yeah, a couple of times over the summer again. I mean, the song is interesting because it kind of works in a lot of places in a set list. You know, it's like a good opener. It's a good set two opener. It's a good closer. It's now it's working in the middle of sets. Like it's one of those songs that can kind of go anywhere. Go anywhere. Yep. Yeah, which is really cool. I think the this Baker's dozen is probably second on my list of like favorite ones. I was also going to say the timber on the night one of the Baker's Dozen was jammed out, which is pretty cool too. Yes. In in addition to that seven below. But I think the the one at the Baker's Dozen is cool because it's it's a journey, but it's definitely less funky than like my favorite version from SPAC in 2016. Mm -hmm. But it gets so like dark and foreboding. And then it's like super sublime and delicate and gorgeous. And I think there's just like – something 
really, really beautiful about the Baker's Dozen version that I love. Yeah, there's there's not a huge peak in that one. It's just yeah, it's 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 about it's about the journey. I I think jams like that, you know, there were a few of them in the Baker's Dozen. I also think of like the taste from yeah. uh, Holes Night, where it's 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 not about the destination; it's about the journey. You know, they're going on such a crazy thing, and then yeah, it's not the hugest peak, but what they're doing on the way to that smaller peak is incredible. Like in in both of those jams, and that that taste I think is is incredibly underrated um, because it's yeah. Which night is that again? Really good, August second. Yeah, Holes Night. The uh, Holes Night. Of, yeah, that's part of one of my favorite sets of the whole run too. Like the Mike's Oh Holy Night taste. Um, I mean. Then, oh, Wingsuit, Sneak and Sally, Weekapog. Like, it's a really, really strong set. Um, Baker's yeah, that, Dozen. Are they going to do it again this summer? So people think they are. And, like, yeah. it seems like the credible rumors suggest that they're going to. Um, I don't understand why they would want to. You know, Fish is not a band that ever really does the same thing twice. And I think they've said that they don't want to do the same thing twice. So if they they do do it again, it's not going to be donut themed. It's not going to be donut themed. It would be totally different. Like they would have a different conceit or concept, whatever. But they, I mean, I think that they love playing Madison Square Garden. You know, they have obviously like very strong relationships with the people that run MSG. And I think that they feel like they play really well there. And I think that it's an inspiring place for them. You know, try it's their favorite place to play. I mean, I think yeah. that that's fair, you know, maybe outside of a festival, but. Which so, that's what I thought we were getting for the Well, I thought so too. I mean, I have a hotel room reserved in Watkins Glen just in case, because you know, I'm not camping. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, I've got one reserved. It's like camp pickup weekend for my kids. Like, I don't know. I'm like, I'm going to have to like, I've never been to a fish festival, Ryan. Yeah. So like, I, I, I want to so to badly. Go, right. That's bucket list. It's bucket list stuff. So I'm like, if this happens this summer, it's their 40th anniversary. Like, I'm going to have a festival. This is the no. longest they've gone without a festival Ever. since the Clifford Ball. Yes, since they started. And yeah. I feel that's, like the and kids, for anyone I'll see them after. Curious, yeah. <laughs> exactly. You're like, your I'll kids pick you up the after. whole year, except for when they're at camp. Fish only plays a festival for three days. Yeah. The only thing that would be great about the Baker's Dozen is it's literally the whole entire time they're at camp. Like I would have to miss the first weekend to drop them off, but then yeah, I, I would and just and also you get to stay at home for it. I know it's which kind of which bad. works well for you for someone like me who's like <laughs> oh like if they do the Baker's Dozen I'm going on goose tour like <laughs> Ryan you can come st- you can come stay weeks. in my house you can come Thank stay you. in my house yeah Thank you <laughs> stay with I, me. I I I you know what I I would probably try to do some of them. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's 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 a lot. New York is very expensive, especially for a Canadian. Um, but I'm, yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited to experience my first uh, real fish New Year's um, in December. Which you know, that's that's a month away today. It's a month away today. I like saw that today on the internet, and I was like, wow, oh. I am <laughs> so excited. There is yeah. nothing, nothing like fish at MSG. And I had so much fun in April, and I can't wait to do it again. I, yeah. I feel like I feel like years without fall tours also, like it just feels yes. like so long since they last played, especially because like the beginning of the year, you know, they played in Mexico, then they played 
you know, MSG in April, then they had the spring tour and then they had summer tour and then they had dicks. And then it's like, oh, and then we're just supposed to go three and a half months with no shows. Like, I know it's like, they it's kind of rude. It's weird. It's, it is kind of rude. rude of them. It's like, rude. You know, to not do this Thanksgiving run, like that was rumored earlier in the year. Like, yeah, on, I guys. have, I made a lot of plans scheduled around that Thanksgiving run. One of my friends like flew back her entire family, like on Friday, because in case they were going to play Albany for those Saturday and Sunday nights, <laughs> I was like, we were, <laughs> Yeah, so we, we were like we were we we had hotels booked in Albany yeah. for three nights like last year too. Um, when there was like that, there was like like really solid rumors last year that they were gonna do an extra run. Which in hindsight, you know, knowing that the MSG run would have gotten canceled, I wish they had done because I an know. extra like seven or eight shows of twenty twenty one fish would not have been a bad thing. Yeah, especially that fall, right? Oh my yeah. god, oh. I know when those shows got canceled last December, I was so sad. I was so gutted. I mean, I had just joined the pod like the month before and I had spent twice a week that month talking about like how excited December fish and yeah. MSG <laughs> fish and New York fish and like all those things. And it was just crushing, absolutely yeah. crushing. It, it, but then it, it April did, was so good that it yeah, was- Yeah, it did bad. end up working well for me because I got COVID on like the 29th or 30th. So oh that would have not- been a good situation like I, no. I think I would have like like gone insane having to miss yeah. a show because of that, that so I, I'm glad <laughs> that it, it worked out well and you know I now am dreading having to go from like you know my one MSG experience I was able to wear shorts to all the shows like I didn't I know. have to worry it's about a jacket really nice. now it's like oh it's gonna be freezing and possibly really snowy yeah that's fantastic <laughs> Yeah, well, because of climate change, it probably won't be snowy. It'll probably just be like cold and miserable. But let's hope <laughs> it's warm cold inside and the venue. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, warm it's... inside the venue, and you don't yeah. care once you're inside, and you know, like MSG. I mean, I is... care because I have to lug my jacket around, which is a, it's a very first world problem to it is. You know, but if you're not on the floor, like that. the floor is the real problem. Correct. With the jacket, I'm not like, on the floor. Yeah, I'm. I'm not devastated. a I'm not like a rail riding person, but the floor at MSG. Yeah, like it's a special place. It's like church, you know? And I'm not, yeah. I don't try to get up front. I don't like fight the nonsense. I'm just, I'll hang in the back. I'm on like usually like page side, like almost all the way back. And I just find a good spot, put my jacket in a trash bag and like tie it to the rail, you know, the on the side method. there. Yeah, and it works. And it's it's a pretty special place. I try to get yeah. down there. I'm not, I didn't get floor tickets this year. It's fine, but um you it's have special. tickets though, like you. I have good? tickets, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I scored I in wait. the lottery, which I did like, not. This, that is amazing. This is the first time I've hit in the lottery for anything. I think last year my dad hit uh, one of the nights, um, but like <laughs> I, I like crushing. got the email and it's like you got a four day pass and the seats are good. That's like, insane. <gasps> like I could see, not believe I've, it. See, I've hit in the lottery a fair amount. Mm-hmm. at msg but it's like the 400s which is right. why i know i only put floor to do the lottery which is why i never get it anymore because i'm like i know i can get tickets in another everybody spot gets in the in. room yeah. everybody gets in but i'm not like i'm gonna have a hard time getting rid of like 400 levels four day passes so right. you know i'm like i'll just put That's down fair. for floor and if i get them it'll be the best thing ever and if not you know so no i'm gonna be Kind of exact. I'm going to be exactly where I was last year, which is in like the 200s. I was on the floor the first night last year, but or in mm-hmm. April. But um, then I'm like in the 200s, like in this section that's like right, kind of over page. It's great. 
Oh, right over page. Nice. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. yeah, that's a, that's a good view. I got um, two hundred eight, which is like like Mike's side, but like at the other end of the arena. So like great view of the lights, and oh, nice. I'm like like towards the bottom of the section. So I don't have Perfect. like you know upper two hundred obstructed view. Um, so I was very happy about that. Behind the chase bridge is a nightmare. Yeah. A nightmare. I was on the chase bridge in April, which was, which was cool. I, I got a fun. I, yeah. I got two four day passes there in the on sale, which was very lucky. Um, but yeah. that, that was a really cool vantage point because while I didn't have a great view of the lights, I had a perfect view of the crowd and I could see the band really well. So I, I loved, yeah. I loved that spot, uh, but I'm excited to get, you know, a better view of the lights. Uh, yeah, I won't have a view of the lights, which is kind of annoying. Like, I didn't have it, you know, during the, the whole, like, gag and stuff in April, which was kind of a bummer, but um, whatever. It was great. You didn't need to, you didn't need to be, no. though, getting the lights for that. Like, yeah, know, that, that was that was amazing. I, I can't wait to experience, like, the balloon drop and whatever they, whatever they have in store for us. It's going to be um, amazing. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, that is... Uh, a good place to wrap up, I think. Megan, thank you so much uh, again for being on today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, I look forward to collaborating many more times in the future on many different podcasts. Let's do it. I'll talk fish with you anytime, Ryan. Yes. And, and uh, you know, we're, we're still developing the official launch of Always Almost Megan. Um, I, I, <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. I had so much fun with all of you, and I love talking about goose. And I'm super goose noob, but I really like goose. So I love listening to you guys, and I loved being on with you. That was really, really fun, and everybody was really nice to me. So thanks. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you again uh, so much. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I uh, hope you have a fantastic day, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, everyone. music fans we wanted to let you know about music on the mountain a show that will feature anders osborne dogs in a pile and saints and liars this show will be directly after the divided sky foundation's fun run at 2 p.m on saturday may 18th at the base of akimo mountain in ludlow vermont the show is presented by the phoenix a national nonprofit organization offering support to those in recovery and anyone impacted by substance use to celebrate recovery. If you're running in the Divided Sky Foundation's fun run, you'll be automatically registered for the show. It's a family-friendly event, and all proceeds from ticket sales and other donations benefit the Divided Sky Foundation. Visit Music on the Mountain, that's musiconthemtn.com, for more info and to get tickets. That's musiconthemtn.com. Hope you enjoy. Hi, this is Henry K host of the number one music history podcast, Rootsland. Come with me on a journey to Kingston, Jamaica, where we explore the world of reggae music and the untold stories of some of the genre's greatest legends. From the ghettos and tenement yards where the music was born to the island's iconic recording studios. We are so excited to team up with Osiris Media, the leading storyteller in music. Because as you'll hear, sometimes the story is the best song.